A growing number of parents are choosing not to vaccinate their children for various reasons. However, the medical community is criticizing that choice, saying that without vaccination, everyone is at risk. Some medical professionals say that vaccines should be mandatory. Vaccines need a majority of the population to be immunized to work. Others say that the government and special interests cannot tell parents how to take care of their children. So on this upcoming episode of The Truth Podcast, we question, what is the real reason behind forced vaccinations? This is The Truth Podcast, where we question everything and no topic is off limits. I got it all covered. Discover the truths about topics you were never taught in school. Learn the uncomfortable and inconvenient truths about current events, geopolitics, culture, economics, and healthcare. You're now listening to The Truth Podcast. Question everything. And now your host, Richard. And welcome back to the Truth Podcast. I am your host, Richard. It is Monday, November 25, 2019. We are only a few days from Thanksgiving. Wow. Before we get into this week's topic, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by Vaxxed 2, The People's Truth, which is the follow-up to the award-winning documentary, Vaxxed, From Cover-Up to Catastrophe. When the producers set out across America promoting Vaxxed, thousands of empowered parents traveled miles to share their stories of what happened to their children. These stories created a movement, a revolution that will change history forever. The parents have been lied to and will be silenced no longer. This is your story, your truth, and now we need your help to tell it. Vaxxed 2, The People's Truth, is in select theaters nationwide. All right. So let's get into this week's topic. We're continuing on the subject of vaccines. However, the title of this episode is The Real Reason Behind the Push for Forced Vaccines. With that being said, let's get started. The mainstream pop culture narrative tells us to trust vaccines and labels individuals who do not as anti-vaxxers. But when you look at the history of the vaccine industry, there are many good reasons to question them. In 1986, the National Vaccine Industry Compensation Program was established to protect the vaccine manufacturers from any liabilities. This program ensured that the taxpayer would pay for all injuries the public suffered from vaccines. Once this protection was in place, government purchasing of vaccines increased by over 300%. In 1994, an unelected board of pediatricians was put in charge of determining which vaccines would be given to your children, all funded by pharmaceutical companies and U.S. taxpayers. Before Presidents Bush and Clinton incentivized the vaccine industry, it was about a $100 million business per year. Bill Clinton proposed buying up all the vaccines and and distributed them from a warehouse in New Jersey, which Congress rejected. But still, thanks to Clinton's effort, the government now controls every aspect of the vaccine industry, an industry that has grown accordingly ever since, over 600%. It is expected to be a $60 billion business by 2020. 
Their profits have grown immensely, but what else have they accomplished since 1993? There have been four measles-related deaths. Now, compare that with 480 claims of injury or death from the measles vaccine. The government has settled $4.1 billion in vaccine death and injury claims, according to a New York Times article. The tax on each vaccine determined the predicted rate of serious side effects. In other words, not only is the consumer a test subject for the vaccines, but they also pay for any damages sustained from their use. Merck, Sharp, and Dome have been fined billions of dollars for multiple crimes over the years, including fraud, bribing healthcare professionals, withholding safety information, and exaggerated efficacy rates. And yet, thanks to the federal government and taxpayer dollars, they continue to thrive. Is it all about money, or is there something else to it? During a 2010 TED Talk, Bill Gates suggested that vaccines help reduce the population. A year later, one of his vaccine campaigns caused 47,500 cases of paralysis and death. The India Supreme Court claimed that the drug trials being run by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation were illegal. Reducing the population has been suggested and supported for years. Ted Turner told Autobahn magazine that a total population of 200 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels, mind you, would be ideal. This is also what is stated in the Georgia Guidestones. When UT professor Eric Priyanka came under fire for suggesting that 90% of us would be killed in order to sustain the earth, his students defended him by saying he was being conservative and that everyone should die. In 2009, Baxter Pharmaceuticals was caught shipping millions of contaminated swine flu vaccines to 18 countries. The entire shipment was contaminated with live H5N1 avian flu virus. If one wanted to create a pandemic virus, this is one of the easiest ways to do so. Today, mandatory vaccines are being forced on children. In New York, government bills are being proposed to remove religious and philosophical exemptions and to exclude unvaccinated children from schools. But if you question any of this, then you are a crazy anti-vaxxer. One of the greatest lies you will ever hear is that vaccination programs caused the decline of childhood diseases in the 20th century. This is a complete fiction. The truth is well documented that, the, that these rates declined by 90% before the introduction of mass and routine vaccination campaigns. Vaccines had no effect on infectious disease in the past 200 years. When we compare the natural infectious disease declines versus the vaccine dangers, there's clearly evidence that vaccines did not save humanity from infectious disease. There is an abundance of irrefutable evidence showing that the historical application of vaccines had no health benefit or impact on the prevention of infectious diseases. This evidence is shown in different countries and the World Health Organization was forced to concede that sanitation, better hygiene, 
and antibiotics are the main reason disease more, more mortality and morbidity have declined. The truth is, vaccines do not create immunity and do not protect humans from any disease. And recent evidence in cases of whooping cough, measles, and outbreaks of chickenpox are adding arrows to the archery board of doubt when it comes to the vaccine efficacy. Let's start with whooping cough vaccinations. Whooping cough, or pertussis, was recorded as spreading across the entire United States at rates of at least twice as high as those recorded in 2011. And epidemiologists and health officials are even admitting that the vaccines may be the cause. Data from the Vermont Department of Health suggests that going through the pertussis vaccination regimen is not fixing the problem or warding off the highly contagious disease. If anything, it appears to be making it worse. The cause could very well be due to multiple loads of toxins delivered through the DTaP vaccine, which include, but not limited to, formaldehyde, aluminum hydroxide, aluminum phosphate, thimerosal, and polysorbate 80. That means that every DTaP vaccine contains carcinogenic, neurotoxic, and sterility agents, just like many of this year's flu vaccines. These chemicals then bioaccumulate in the child with each successive vaccine, further introducing an additional load of toxins with each injection. And so what about the MMR vaccine? Well, more than a thousand people in New Jersey and New York were sickened with mumps in the summer of 2010. Health officials linked the outbreak to an 11-year-old boy at a camp. The boy had been fully vaccinated against the mumps, as had 77% of the patients in New Jersey. In the United States, children typically receive their mumps vaccination as part of the measles, mumps, and rubella, or MMR vaccine. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, advises children to receive the first dose between 12 and 18 months and their second between the ages of four and six. Mumps used to be a routine childhood disease. Many of you listening to this likely had your turn. The virus ran its course while you stayed at home in bed and you've been rewarded with lifelong immunity. In most cases, mumps, like many of the childhood diseases we're now vaccinating our children against, is not a serious disease. In rare cases, Serious complications can develop, but you must weigh this risk against that of the vaccine, which, for one, definitely contains substances with known toxic properties such as aluminum. The other aspect of the equation is that even if you get the vaccine, you may still get the mumps, which means you've accepted the risk of the vaccine itself with no benefit whatsoever. As of March 2012, there has been 898 claims filed in the Federal Vaccine Injury Compensation Program for injuries and deaths following MMR vaccination, including 56 deaths and 842 serious injuries. Using the MedAlert search engine, as of July 2019, there have been 6,058 serious adverse events reported to the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or the acronym VAERS in connection with measles vaccines since 1990, with over half of those occurring in children three or under. Evidence has been published in the medical literature that vaccinated persons can get measles because either they do not respond to the vaccine or the vaccine's efficacy wanes over time and vaccinated mothers do not transfer long-lasting maternal antibodies 
to their infants to protect them in the first few months of life. So what about the HPV cervical cancer vaccinations? A closer look at research published in the Journal of American Medical Association sought to determine the usefulness of the HPV vaccine among women who already carry HPV, which includes virtually all women who are sexually active, regardless of their age. This document revealed startling information about the ineffectiveness of the Gardasil vaccine. It revealed that the HPV vaccine often caused an increase in the presence of HPV strains while utterly failing to clear the virus in most women. The authors found no evidence that the vaccine worked at all. This observation led the authors to offer this damaging conclusion that appears to render Gardasil nothing more than a grand medical hoax. In a 2011 publication in the Annals of Medicine, exposed the fraudulent nature of the HPV vaccines such as Gardasil and Cervarix. Key messages the research report include a lack of evidence for any HPV vaccine in preventing cervical cancer and lack of evaluation of medical risks. The authors concluded by summing up their, summing up their evidence by stating that the presentation of partial and non-factual information regarding cervical cancer risks and the usefulness of HPV vaccines as cited above is neither scientific nor ethical. None of these practices serve public health interests, nor are they likely to reduce the levels of cervical cancer. So, where there is risk, there must be choice. I mean, it, it seems like a simple freedom that is a fundamental right in the United States of America. Yet, there are those who seek to deny our freedoms over our body and that of our children. California was the latest state to take away the right of parents to choose whether or not to inject their children with known toxins. Now, vaccine law proponents will argue this law does not force you to vaccinate your child, just that they can't go to school without them. But what if you're a single mother who cannot homeschool? That mother is effectively forced to vaccinate. The Supreme Court has called vaccines unavoidably unsafe. The package insert of a vaccine contains a lengthy list of warnings and side effects. VAERS, or VAERS, the government's adverse events reporting system, is overloaded with reports. Most importantly, there are thousands of parents who claim their child is vaccine damaged. One day the child was normal, the next day they weren't. These complaints are swept aside as coincidence or, or labeled as noble behavior. These parents, they know better. What kind of system mandates a medical treatment such as vaccines, but allows no recourse to the injured? In short, due to federal law, a vaccine injured person cannot sue a vaccine manufacturer or a doctor. Therefore, vaccine standards can be lax and a doctor need not seek informed consent prior to injection. If vaccines were so beneficial, why do we have to mandate? If vaccines work so well, why worry about my child? Your vaccinated child is supposedly protected by the dreaded chickenpox. I say this last sentence with obvious sarcasm. I remember the chickenpox parties and, and look back at my bout with the virus very fondly, actually. Maybe priming my immune system with this virus protects me against cancer, heart disease, and peril, maybe dementia, but who knows? What we do know is that there has never been a randomized trial 
on the 69 doses of 16 vaccines versus placebo. In fact, most vaccines have been poorly studied. The hepatitis B vaccine is given to newborn babies. We are injecting a billion aluminum atoms into a newborn three times, all to supposedly protect against a virus contracted by, what, IV drug users and those who sleep with prostitutes? You say that there are children who cannot get vaccinated because they're immune compromised. My children need to take one for the team. Hmm, I think not. The number one job of a parent is to protect their child. I protect mine the way I see fit. You protect yours. Has it ever occurred to the parents of the child with cancer that it is the vaccine that has caused the cancer? You ask for studies proving harm, right? Well, they're out there. Matter of fact, take a look at my website, truthpodcast.net. I'll leave show notes in the description below. But the sad truth is that research is funded by Big Pharma. Funding for research contrary to the vaccine machine would dry up like a glass of water in the desert. The government must not be allowed to force this agenda. The government is the puppet of the corporate master. Big Pharma wants these laws instituted so the money train rolls on and the patient can do nothing but accept swallow this bitter medicine. Do we want to live in a society where medical treatment is mandated? Should it not be my choice whether or not I want to take a cholesterol lowering drug or maybe an aspirin? Must I receive chemotherapy and radiation if I develop cancer? An adult mandatory vaccine schedule will be next. Prove you received a flu shot or you will not be eligible for Social Security or Medicare. Wake up, America. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Truth Podcast, Question Everything. I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. Be sure to give thanks for fans and family. This time of the year is one of my favorite times of the year. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Monday. Enjoy the week. Take care. And I'll see you right here next week on the Truth Podcast, where we question everything. Take care.